You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode number 82. Hello, and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for ladies who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds lost or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, a registered nurse, personal trainer, wife, and mom of four. Each week, my guests and I will excite and motivate you to take action in your own personal fitness as we talk about nutrition, exercise, mindset, personal development, and executing life with conscious intention. If your goal is to look, feel, and be strong and experience transformation from the inside out, you, my friend, are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, and today, for the first time ever, I am bringing back a previous guest. Nikki Olson was on the podcast on episode number 32, and we talked about stress eating. So if that is something that is applicable to you, especially during this crazy time with COVID-19, that you may be feeling a little extra stress, and maybe you're turning to a little bit of stress eating, but that episode... Um, number 32, which we'll link up in the show notes, um, is a great episode to be able to listen to. Nikki is fabulous at what she does and is fabulous about helping to give you some tools, some very actionable tools. Like we, we don't talk about theory in this episode or in episode 32. We actually go in deep into the actual actions and tools that you can use to be able to move past emotional eating. Now, Specifically today with Nikki, we talked about boredom and she identified that she was experiencing um, some eating due to boredom. And we, t- we talked through what that looks like. Um, but the things that she teaches in this episode can be related to any other negative emotions that you're feeling now or in the future. And what I love about Nikki is that she breaks it down in such um, simple but yet actionable steps that you're going to be able to take and um, be able to use to be able to kind of break out of some of these cycles and habits that maybe you have built based off of the negative emotions and trying to deal with some of the negative emotions that we we all feel on a day-to-day basis. Nikki also has a free download. You can go and download that and um, it gives you a, a good map and a good layout of kind of what she talked about and how you can take yourself through the mind-body bridging process that she's going to teach inside this episode. And with all of that, we are going to now jump into the episode with Nikki Olson. I would love to welcome Nikki Olson back to the podcast. Hey, Nikki. Hey, Amber. I'm so excited to be back. I'm excited too. You are officially the first person who I bought brought back for a second time. What? So that's awesome. Yeah. So that's, that's a, that's a, that's a big deal. So I'm, I'm honored. excited <laughs> for what you have to teach everybody today. And that's the reason that I'm bringing you back is because I think you have some really, um, awesome insight that's unique. Um, and as you know, the type of provider that you are, you have some unique solutions that you're able to provide my audience. And so I'm, I'm excited to dive into it today. Um, so awesome. first, can you just give us a little background on you? Yep. So I'm a licensed clinical mental health counselor and I'm licensed in the state of Utah. And so I primarily like my day job. I work in a clinic, um, uh, integrated health center and do therapy there for a whole gamut of, of issues. But 
Um, I also have an online business where the modality that I mainly use called mind body bridging, um, online, I teach people those skills and those tools, um, to kind of just help manage life because sometimes life tends to manage us. And so we need some skills to be able to manage, get our control back and feel like we can make some lifestyle changes just to have, um, be able to feel like we're more in control. So good. Yeah. I'm excited for you to be able to talk a little bit more about that. I always find that, and I don't know if anybody's told you this, but I just feel like so peaceful when I talk to you. It's like your voice (laughs) and your like tone and your rhythm is just like, I just, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a kind of a high strung, like active person (laughs) and you just like slow everything down. It's like, it's like the mark of a good therapist, right? Um, That's what I do every day. (laughs) So I would hope... (laughs) Thank yes, you so that much. it comes across. Um, so if you'll just walk us through a little bit, because what we're going to do is we're going to kind of link what Nikki does all day, every day in her practice with how we can relate that over into your health and fitness journey. And so Nikki, I would love it if you would share personally what your health and fitness journey has looked like over the last couple of years. Sure. So as far as like fitness, I've always been really active, you know, sports and, you know, through my college years. And now like working out has never really been an issue for me. Like I really, I do, I work out now for my mental health. Like I don't ever really consider working out for like losing weight or doing things like that just because I know the benefits mentally for me. And if I miss a workout, I feel it. So I feel like my, my, struggle bus that I'm on is the health <laughs> health aspect of it and nutrition basically mm-hmm. when I talk about that is just I growing up I we didn't really like my mom never talked about dieting or anything like that I never really thought about dieting we just kind of into like we ate three meals a day and that's what we ate sometimes we snacked you know it wasn't a big deal but when I went off to college is kind of when I heard more about dieting. I remember one of my first jobs they talked about a cleanse and I was like, what the heck is that? And so I did it with them because I thought it was fun, you know, not necessarily because I wanted to lose weight or anything. And, um, you know, kind of dabbled in just understanding different things about diets, but I really dived into understanding diets when I had my children. And so my oldest is 12. So it's been about 12 years and I think I've learned about every diet. (laughs) I don't know if I've tried them all, but just, you know, researched them. What do you, what's this, what's that? And what I found in the last couple years is that like, I've really developed this, um, diet mentality. They call it diet culture and intuitive eating, you know, Mm -hmm. but just kind of these, these rules about food have really, kind of impeded on my ability to maintain is kind of what I've realized. Mm-hmm. So a couple of years ago, I did your Ditch the Diet program, which mm-hmm. is amazing. Mm-hmm. Loved it. You call it Macros 101 now. Right. We, we <laughs> reformatted it and now it's Macros 101, but yes. Yes. But I love Ditch the Diet program. Like I really, that helped kind of help me understand how you can have this intuitive eating and also kind of, uh, break down a lot of that diet mentality. Mm -hmm. And so I did really well after that for probably a year and, uh, maintained and did really well. And then, um, I started doing my online business and kind of did different things, um, that way, like, um, 
a lot more sedentary lifestyle, I guess I would say, mm-hmm. um, you know, coming home from work and then doing your, your second business, you know, and doing things like that. And so I stopped maintaining and, um, you know, I would cut every once in a while, like do that. And then I just, I feel like that diet mentality really got to me, um, just about the rules. And I lost the aspect that you really taught us about flexibility and, um, in January, our book club did a pick to the book intuitive eating. And I had started that maybe like three or four years ago, like started listening to it. And the only chapter I got through was the one where you can just eat whatever you want. And I stopped there. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, there's probably more to this than just eating. Yeah. Right. A little bit more. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So when we, uh, I went back and listened to the whole thing for the book club, you know, and one thing that super stood out to me was this concept of boredom and like I'm really in tune to negative emotions and how they affect me just because of my job and the, you know, the energy that can be put off in a session and being aware of that, I call it putting up a mind shield. So I'm not absorbing, you know, that energy, but I, so I was really aware of like, I'm not eating because I'm stressed. I'm not eating because I'm, you know, uh, sad or, you know, um, angry in any way. Like I don't feel like I'm turning to food that way. So I was really struggling with this. And so when we, when that chapter, when I was listening to that chapter, they talked about boredom in a different way that I'd never thought about boredom. And this is just like opened my eyes to a whole bunch of things, even just with kids in general is that boredom just isn't about not doing something. Boredom can be doing something, but having a lack of interest or excitement with the activity that you're doing. Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is what's happening to me. I sit down and I do case notes and they're not exciting. And this is not Mm -hmm. what I want to be doing, right? So I need a candy bar next to me to make this a little bit more exciting, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I got in this habit of like when I was sitting down at my computer or when I was doing something, like I needed something to make it a little bit more exciting. And food was my thing that I was turning to. And I didn't even realize that, like, I knew that I was doing that, but I couldn't understand why, if that makes sense. Sometimes it's harder to sort of pick that apart just in general for yourself. So I, when I made that realization, I was like, okay, this boredom is, is an, is a negative emotion. People don't want to be bored. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it is, I don't believe in in the modality that I use, mind-body bridging, that we have to get rid of negative emotions. Like, I don't believe that we as humans are meant to only feel positive emotions. I just don't think that's possible. And I don't think it's bad when we feel a negative emotion. I think it's our bodies and our mind way of healing with things. Like we're going to feel negative emotions and we need to allow ourselves to feel those. What we don't want to have happen is... Um, making negative choices while we're feeling those emotions. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I felt like. It's like, I don't like this feeling of boredom and it's causing this internal turmoil within me. And we'll kind of dive into that. But so my, my fix to that was to uh, sort of mask those symptoms that I was feeling through food. Mm -hmm. Right. So that I didn't have to feel bored. Right. Like to make it more exciting. It wasn't, it was more meaningful to me if I could do that. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think more people experience that than really realize that. And, (laughs) um, you explaining your experience may help some people who are listening to be like, oh my gosh, I never realized that that's kind of going on with me as well. 
Right. Right. And that's why I reached out to you because I was like, oh my gosh, I think that other people are really struggling with this and probably have no idea. Like I work with this every day, all day, you know, like picking up all these emotions and it was difficult for me to hone in on that and really find that. And I think that's part, and that's really where I've tried to approach health now. And what I'm really trying to work on is that health is a journey. It's not a destination. It's not something that I'll master some point in my life and just be like, Oh yay, I've done this. But I think it's a continual process of working at that, um, and becoming to a point of management Mm -hmm. rather than master. And so, um, this is just a point in my journey that I've come to. The cool thing about it is, is I knew what to do once that happened, right? Like once I figured out what was happening, I knew the skills to turn to and what I needed to do. And so that's kind of what I wanted to share with your listeners. It's like, okay, so if you are bored, what do you do with that? Right? Like, how do you become more aware of that? And, and how can you, um, you know, diffuse or bring down some of that internal turmoil that you feel when you feel bored, right? Because it doesn't just go away once you realize it. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to put a pin in that because we're going to come to it, but I want to, I yeah. want to um, lead up to it a little bit more. Um, yeah. And the first question that I want to do, so, so you said something so profound right now, and that is that, you know, just um, identifying it is really the first step, right? We have to identify that that this is going on before we can start to implement the things that you're going to teach in order to change it. And so, if someone is sitting here and they're trying to self-identify if this is um, something that they are experiencing, what are some questions that you could have somebody ask themselves to see if this is something that is impacting them? Perfect. So the reason that negative emotions can negatively impact our lives is because, and this is terminology that we use in the modality uh, mind-body bridging, but there's a system inside all of us called this identity system. And when this identity system, like there's nothing wrong with us because we have it, right? And we're not getting rid of it. Everybody has it. But when the system wakes up, it causes what we call body tension and mind clutter. So body tension can happen differently for other for people. Sometimes for me, I feel it like my heart start racing. Sometimes I feel a pit in my stomach or my throat. Sometimes I clench my jaw or my just my forehead feels tight. I always pull my shoulders up. Um, for some people, they might feel like they, uh, their, their feet get tight or fidgety. So it can be a, a, a myriad of things that are happening to you, but you just generally, your body feels tense when the system's awake. And then mind clutter, I describe as one thought turns into 10 and each of those 10 turn into 10 more, you know, and it just keeps going from there. Like you just get this major clutter in your mind where you can't think clearly, you can't focus. And that's the part we don't like about this system. We don't like those feelings of body tension and mind clutter. So if if you're experiencing body tension or mind clutter, then that system is awake. If that system's awake, we want to identify why it's awake and be able to put it back to sleep. Because again, we're not getting rid of it, right? But the way to understand if that system is at play is to to hone in on those two clues, that body tension and that mind clutter. Awesome. And, and this relates to any negative emotion. So we're going to talk about boredom because that's specifically what Nikki was experiencing and kind of something that she worked through. But we also on episode number 32 talked about stress eating and, and that's a very similar like idea of different ways that the identity system can wake up. Um, and it's not just with boredom. It's not just with stress. Like there's multiple negative emotions. It can be with anger. It can be with sadness. It can, you know, all of these other things, but, um, we, 
you know, Nikki is going to give us some tools to be able to work through those because like she said, negative emotions aren't bad or going away or, um, you know, magically going to get solved or fixed. It's, we, it's us being able to work with it and through it that is going to allow us to be successful. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Okay. So let's go into a little bit of tactile of like, if we've identified that we are experiencing this tension, like you were talking about this tension in our body, this mind club for me, and I have identified this partly because of like my experience chatting with Nikki and just partly because I've become a little bit more introspective of like how I feel it. Mine is kind of similar to yours. Mine is heart racing and and teeth clenching. And I've started to be able to identify that. And so for me, I know that when I have that abnormal like heart racing or I feel myself clenching my teeth that that is exactly what Nikki's talking about with that identity system um, waking up. Now, when we start to recognize that, what do we do next? Okay. So I have a free download. If, if people want to go check this out, it'll be on my website mbbnikki.com forward slash free. I'm sure we'll link that up in the show notes. Yeah. We'll link it up in the show notes on by Sutter Babies Radio. So if you're listening to this and you're like frantically taking notes, it's already there. <laughs> you can just download it. Don't worry. Well, it has all the steps. It will have my example and then an, an example for you to fill out. So um, you can download that there. So what what we want to do is ha- I like to use the quote, keep your friends close, but keep your enemies closer. Mm-hmm. And I ask people like, why in the heck would you want to keep your enemies closer than your friends? Right. And the reason is we want to get to know our enemies so that we can understand its tactics about why it's attacking us, when it's going to attack us, how, with what. Because if we know that about our enemy, it's just not as powerful over us. Then we have tactics to defend ourselves, right? Like if we knew exactly when and where and how somebody was going to attack us, we would be prepared and we would be ready to defend ourselves and that enemy wouldn't be able to infiltrate us. That's such a good analogy. I love that analogy. Yeah. So what we do in mind-body bridging to get to know our enemy is we do this process called mapping. And in the download, I'll give you um, a map. And then I also include my map that I did. So what we want to do is we want to find out what it is that is causing our identity system to wake up. Okay. And we do this through the mapping process. But the reason that it is waking up in general for everybody is because our identity system is very idealistic about the world. It thinks that life should be perfect. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it requires it to be that way. Mm -hmm. And so we call these requirements. When life isn't exactly the way the identity system thinks it should be, then it wakes up and tries to force life to be that way, Mm -hmm. right? So there's lots of shoulds about boredom, and I'll talk about my shoulds, but what happens when these shoulds don't happen is, so for example, if, if, if my identity system says everyone should be nice to me, and I have a thought of somebody not being nice to me, that's going to break that requirement, right? And wake it up. I like to think of them as little bombs setting off our identity system, right? And these bombs, every time something doesn't happen that way, you're like lighting it on fire and exploding the system. Well, these requirements are not bad things. Like wanting people to be nice to me isn't a bad thing, mm-hmm. right? The problem becomes that my identity system requires everybody has to be nice to me. And even in my thoughts, people have to be nice to me. Yeah, That's just not going to happen, right? So my, my identity system is saying, I shouldn't be bored, right? I should be doing all of these things and we'll talk about them. But 
when those things aren't happening, it's waking it up. But the next thing that happens, and this is a whole nother session, but just so they're aware, when it doesn't happen that way, our identity system's ultimate goal is to convince us that there's something wrong with us because it's not happening that way. Mm. I must be the problem. I, I must be broken. I must be damaged. And if something's broken, we want to fix it, right? Mm-hmm. And so then we get caught in this, this depressor-fixer cycle, meaning like depressor, we're feeling broken, so now we want to fix ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, we're getting caught in this cycle because things aren't happening exactly the way our identity system thinks they should be, and they just aren't going to, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So with these requirements, the, what we want to do is defuse them. So if you have a bomb and you take the fuse off of it, it's still a bomb, right? It just can't blow up. Mm-hmm. So that's what we want to do to these thoughts. You're going to forever have these thoughts in your mind, right? These shoulds. But we want to defuse these shoulds so that when they don't happen, it doesn't cause this system to wake up. Yes. So good. Okay. How do we do that? Okay. How do we defuse so, it? <laughs> yes. First, we got to figure out what the bombs are, right? Sure. And then once we figure out what the bombs are, we want to defuse them to preferences. So it's kind of like if you had a boss that told you, Amber, you are required to take out the trash, right? And you didn't take out the trash. What would happen? They get fired. Yes. Kind of a major (laughs) consequence. You were required to do that, right? right? Yeah. But if your boss said to you, hey, Amber, I prefer that you take the trash out and you don't, what's going to happen? Maybe he'll say hey, why didn't you do it? Or how can we make a plan to do it better next time? Or it's not as like drastic of a consequence. Exactly. It's the same request, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a difference in the result that happens if it doesn't happen. So that's what we want to do these requirements. Instead of shoulds, we want to turn them into prefers. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. But first, go ahead. I was just going to say that I also like, I'm thinking as I'm listening to you and this idea, I love this idea of of it being like a bomb and we can defuse that bomb. I think um, the piece that a lot of people miss is that they're like, they don't know that they're carrying the bomb. And exactly. so they're, they're walking around with this bomb that like, and these bombs are going off, but they don't see them as bombs. And this is the idea of like, we don't actually see our beliefs as beliefs. We see them as like, it's just a fact. And this is kind of what you're talking about. Instead of seeing it just as a fact, as a should, as a has to, when we can start to identify that and be like, oh, I have that belief that this is the way the world has to be. And then we can step that back to what like, no, it doesn't have to be. It's it's a preference is kind of the words that you used. Mm-hmm. Then that is yeah. such a powerful way to, to then take that bomb. We have identified it and we've diffused it. And now maybe we're still carrying it around, but it has way less power over us. Exactly. Your enemy now has less power yes. over you. Love right? it. Love it. Okay, cool. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to use my map as an example, and I'll walk your th- listeners through my map, and then they can, they can use the steps to do their own. Okay. So, just to, be, so just to be clear, what you're, you, when you were going through this experience of having boredom and then you know, diffusing it with food, you then took yourself through this process that you're taking us through, uh, and you created your own mind map, and that's what you're sharing with us right now, right? Correct. Okay, yep. cool. Awesome. Yep. So what you do, and you can do this with any negative emotion, but in the map that you download, I, uh, your listeners will download, it says boredom in the middle. 
there's nothing magical about the piece of paper that I printed. You can literally put any word you want in the middle of this. Yeah. So you don't have to map just about boredom, but we're talking about boredom. Well, and so this I is like, put, oh, sorry, I keep interrupting you, but this is like such a good thing too, because, um, you know, right now while Nikki and I are recording this, we're going through this COVID-19, um, experience. And there's a, probably for most people, a lot of negative emotions that come up, you know, fear and uncertainty and like, oh my gosh, what's going on. And so we're going to talk about boredom because I do think that that is something that some people struggle with. But just like Nikki said, if you are feeling fear, that can be replaced. You can put fear in the middle of, of your mind map and do the same process that she's taking you through with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Because that's not a bad emotion. Fear keeps us safe, but we just don't want it to cause us to react in ways that don't keep us safe. Yes. Good. Yeah. So what you do is you write the word in. So there's a, um, a smaller circle and a bigger circle on a piece of paper. I call it a donut map. So it looks kind of like a donut in the smaller circle in the middle. You're going to write down. It, it has boredom for you, but you could write down any emotion. And then what you want to do is you just want to freely write down all the thoughts that are coming to your mind without editing and without shortening them down. The reason we do this is because we're sort of letting our identity system speak and if we start cutting it off and saying, oh, I don't like that one or that one doesn't have to do with boredom, then we're not going to find all of our bombs. And we call these hidden requirements. So it's still going to be setting you off, but you're not going to know why because you decided to leave that that thought off. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure that as you're writing, you're everything that's coming to your mind without editing and without um, shortening it down. So I, I did that on the inside of my paper. I wrote down all of these thoughts. Um, and then I'll talk, I'll talk about these thoughts in conjunction with the shoulds in a second, but what you do after you write down all your thoughts is we're going to go back to those two clues of body tension and mind clutter. So as you read these thoughts, I want you to draw a line from those thoughts to the outside of the circle for any of these thoughts that give you tension in your body or clutter in your mind when you read them even if it's a tiny bit, because that can still be a hidden requirement. So you're, you're indicating by drawing from that line to the outside of the circle, yes, when I have this thought, it's waking up my identity system. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so on my map, you'll notice that I drew a line from every single one of the thoughts that are on the map. <laughs> that is fine, mm-hmm. right? Like with the first time you map something, everything is probably going to wake up your identity system as you're mapping. Okay. And that's totally fine. It can maybe be a few of them, but if it is, it's probably something that's not waking up your identity system very much when it's waking up. Like this was really waking up my identity system. So all of them woke them up mm-hmm. to some degree, right? Some are more than others. Um, but what you do is the reason those thoughts on the inside of your circle are waking them up is because it's breaking that requirement. Something isn't happening exactly the way the identity system says it should be. So one of my first thoughts on there is sucks. Just wrote down suck. Boredom sucks. Right? (laughs) So on the outside of your circle, you're going to write down what it is that you think the identity system says should be happening about that thought. Instead of feeling like this sucks, what do I want to feel like? So on the end of my line, I wrote, I should feel okay, right? Like, I don't want to feel like this sucks. I want it to feel like, I want to just want to feel okay, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to feel excited or happy. I just, in general, just want to feel okay. Mm-hmm. So the reason that's waking it up is the rule is 100% of the time I should feel okay. And anytime I have a thought that it's that I'm not feeling okay, like maybe I feel like, this really sucks, then 
it's breaking that rule. It's lighting that bomb on fire and it's waking it up. Mm-hmm. Okay. So another example I have is I wrote not exciting. So the requirement for that, I felt like is like, I should be having fun. So my idea, having fun is a good thing, right? Like we all want to have fun, but we all as adults recognize we can't have fun hundred percent of the time. Sometimes things that we do in life, like dishes and laundry and homework just aren't fun, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's just not fun. But my identity system has this rule that everything in life should be fun. And if it's not, then I've got to be fun. Yes. And my identity systems way to force it to be fun was, well, let's have a fun little snack with it. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So after doing that multiple times, that becomes habit, right? Like if you do something, it becomes just what your body does. And that's what happened for me is that, you know, I just started turning to these things because at first it was just made it a little bit exciting. Right. But what I've noticed now, as I start diffusing these is like my hands or my body's just like turning to these things, like Mm -hmm. walking towards the fridge to go get something. What am I doing? I'm not even hungry. Why am I doing this? But I, I didn't even know that until I became aware of what was causing this in the first place. Mm -hmm. So good. So some of the other things that happened for me is, um, I wrote the word incapable came to my mind with boredom and the requirement I came up with is like, I should be achieving something. Mm. So I felt like, you know, because I'm not, I'm not achieving something right now. Like, you know, I'm just doing a monotonous task. I'm not necessarily achieving a goal or working at something like it's just kind of a day-to-day task. Then it must mean that I'm incapable, right? That's the depressor thought that it started, started spinning for me. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if I feel like I'm incapable, then I want to go do something about that. Right. Or I'm not feeling like, well, that's not a good feeling. I want to numb that feeling for me. My number was food, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'll go turn to that, but it's all stemming from being bored. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you had asked somebody like, well, what do you think about boredom is bothering you? You may have come up with one or two of these, but would you really have thought of the word incapable, right? Like that would have been a deep dive conversation to come up with this, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why it's really important to write down all your thoughts that are coming to your mind. There's a reason behind it. And it's, it's allowing your sort of subconscious to speak in a sense. Mm -hmm. So another thought I came up with was not doing anything. So I felt like my identity system said I should be doing something, right? Um, I also wrote that I'm helpless I should be more helpful. Like maybe in some of the tasks that I'm doing, maybe I'm not feeling like I'm necessarily helping someone or something. And and that's not necessarily true. When you step back and you look at things, you're like, but you are helping because you're doing this and this and this. But in the process, when that gets triggered, you can't logically think that way. Mm-hmm. That's not where your brain goes. It goes straight to, you are a helpless, incapable person, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's exactly what it starts spinning. And you don't even know it's those words. Like if you would have asked me before I mapped this, what it was, you know what I would have told you? Like if you would have said, how are you feeling? I would have said, I feel bleh. That's how I feel, right? (laughs) Like I couldn't even put words to it. Mm -hmm. So this mapping process really allows you to speak and understand and gain some greater awareness around it. So the last one I wrote down was um, selfish. And so 
what I felt like my identity system was saying I should be doing is I should be serving somebody like this. This should be, you know, cause we have a big culture around service and what we need to be helping other people. So my identity system started spinning the story like, well, if you're not helping somebody right now, then you must be selfish, right? Like you're a selfish person. So fix that. Or, and I can't necessarily, cause I have to get this task done. So then I feel trapped. So then my only thing I can control is, eat something, right? Like that's in my control to do that. And so that becomes the fix in that. Does that pattern make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So good. So that's my map of what I came up with. And then what you do, this is, this is the awareness piece. So also what I've attached to this packet that the people will get is there's a three-step process in diffusing. And I use the acronym ACT, not A-C-T, but A-K-T. So a stands for awareness. This is the awareness piece. You need to be a, become aware that that body tension and mind clutter you're feeling is this identity system, right? So if it's your identity system, we need to K, get to know it, right? And so that we can gain some knowledge, okay? Mm-hmm. So knowing what your requirements are is the next step to understanding what's triggering your identity system. Then the T is what we're going to do next, which is trying out something different with these requirements, okay? Okay. Which is what we talked about with the shoulds and the prefer, okay? Mm -hmm. So me saying this, I I understand people, when I say this, people are going to say, that is not going to work, Nikki. You are crazy. (laughs) But (laughs) if you go back and listen to the episode that I did with Amber and I made her do her own map... If I would have just told her to do this, she may have said the same thing to me, but you experienced it, right? And what right. was that like for you when you did the map? And yeah, we walked- it, it, like I said, it just brings things to the surface that were always there, but you don't recognize. Um, and like I said, the fir- in order to defeat an enemy, you have to know your enemy first. And so when you can't identify who your enemy is, you can't fix it. And yeah. so just bringing those things to the surface allowed um, me to get some clarity on how to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's a really, a um, a validating process. So when we use this tool called thought labeling, okay. And thought labeling is just bringing that awareness to you and recognizing like, yeah, I do want these things to happen. I do want to feel okay. And guess what? I'm okay. Wanting to feel okay. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with me wanting to serve somebody or we wanting to have fun. But the problem is I just can't make it happen 100% of the time. So what we do is we replace the should with a prefer and we relabel it in our minds. So it sounds something like this. I would prefer to be having fun. When I'm saying that to myself, I'm not arguing and telling myself why I have to do this task right now. It's not very fun, but you're an adult. You got to do it. I'm not arguing with myself. I'm just validating like, yeah, I do want to be having some fun. That is exactly why I'm feeling bored right now, Mm -hmm. right? It's sort of like if you go vent to your friend or your spouse and they just are really a good listener and you just... They, you feel like they understand you, but the reason you feel like they understand you is because of what they're saying back to you, right? They're repeating back to you what they, they hear you saying, and you feel validated in that. And you feel like, oh man, you really do get me. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And when somebody gets you and understands you, you don't feel like you need to keep convincing them of something, right? Sure. You just yeah. feel like, you feel like, oh, okay, that was good. I got that off my chest. That's what we're doing here is we're validating this identity system by saying, yeah, I do. I would prefer to be having fun. I get you. I get what you're saying here. Mm-hmm. And then immediately after, this is the key to putting your identity system to sleep. And what we talk a lot more about in, in the other episode is noticing some of your five senses is a way to put that system to sleep. So just notice the ground underneath your feet or notice the chair underneath you, or maybe notice gravity on your body. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing there is you are reconnecting your mind and body back together and putting that system to sleep. And when that happens, your executive functioning brain turns back on as before you were previously in your default brain. And that default brain is not going to tell you these things, but in your natural state, you'll start having some just natural comforting thoughts, right? Like, yeah, it's for me, when I do this process, I start feeling like, yeah, it, it's not very fun right now, but remember you get to do this and this and this. And I feel comforted by those thoughts. If I try to just tell myself those things while in my identity system, Mm -hmm. my identity system loves to argue and it would come up with a reason why it's not soon enough, why it's not going to be fun enough. You know, it's, it's not natural. It's not a natural process. Mm -hmm. So by labeling these thoughts and using your senses, you're allowing yourself to get back into a natural state of mind where you can see things clear, where you have a wider perspective. You don't have these blinders on to this one thought, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So you go through the whole outside of the circle doing this pattern. I would prefer to be achieving something and then noticing your senses. And you continue to notice your senses until you feel that tension coming down and that clutter coming down. Then you move to the next one. I would prefer to be doing something. And you're just saying this in your mind. You don't have to do it out loud. You don't have to write it. You're just doing it in your mind and then use your senses. The reason we do that is because this process of practicing this doesn't necessarily diffuse it. It's that when you label that in your mind, when it's happening the next time is when it diffuses it. Mm -hmm. You want to get this in your muscle memory so that when it starts happening, you know exactly what to label. You don't have to pull out a piece of paper and map it because who has time for that? Mm-hmm. But you know exactly what's setting it off. You can label it. You can use your senses. And it doesn't just plop that fuse out and, yay, I did it once. It's over. What happens is it takes a little snip at that fuse. Okay? Some fuses are longer than others. But if we keep snipping at these fuses, pretty soon they're going to be gone. We just don't know how long that will take. Mm-hmm. So you just continue labeling these in the moment. And using your senses to diffuse them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. And so simple, right? It's like not that complicated, yeah. but it's a process that you can easily walk through. And I love that you're getting to the point where you make the point that eventually it just, just like the eating when you were bored became a habit that you didn't have to think about, like this mm-hmm. also can and will become a habit that you can just default to and that you don't have to think about every time. It's not like you have to pull out your map every, every single time and like exactly. remap it. Uh, so the <laughs> yeah. effort that you put in, you know, that, that one time when you do the map may feel like, you know, you have to spend 10, 15, 20 minutes doing it, but it's not, then it becomes faster and easier and just a habit. 
Exactly. Well, in fact, what I did after I did this map is I took a picture of it with my phone because who doesn't have their phone with them all the time? And every time I started feeling bored, I would pull up that picture of that and I would just label those things on the outside of the circle. Probably took me 45 seconds, maybe a minute, depending on how much I had to use my senses in between that. But I was just getting that in my muscle memory, right? Like, oh yeah, that is why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. Because I couldn't remember them right away, if that makes sense. And so just have it with you. Yeah. And and I'm sure that you know, this is going to be different for everybody in every situation, but about how long do you feel like it took you for that to become more of a just natural thing that you didn't have to think about anymore, that you're now your new default wasn't necessarily that you went for food, but that you handled it a different way. I would say it's, it, it's a different process for everything. So sure. when I say this, you don't want to be like, oh my gosh, I'm doing it wrong. Right. So I, I hate to give like a number to it. Cause some people are like, cause it, this map can, you know, it took me a couple weeks to kind of really get to that awareness where I wasn't really just specifically turning to it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I still struggle with it. It doesn't mean that it just went away in a couple of weeks and yay, I was good. Like boredom's probably going to be something I deal with the rest of my life because I am an achiever. I am a pusher. And so that's just my default is like, you shouldn't feel bored ever. You should always be doing something. Yeah. And so that I just, it's gotta be something that I'm consciously aware of, but it took a couple of weeks for me to not have to pull out my phone and think about it and like remind myself of it, if that makes sense. But I've had other maps where like, I'm still currently working on some other issues in my life that I map over and over and over again. That's, it's just a management tool. It's not necessarily something where you master life. Sure. And there's master's life. (laughs) Yeah. There's always going to be something, right? There's always something that's going to come up or be deeper or that is going to trigger you. Um, Uh and using that. Yeah. Right. Uh, (laughs) And, yeah. and using those triggers as just, uh, bringing awareness to something. Like I always think, you know, when something triggers me, like that is an opportunity for me to work through that. Like, why is it triggering me and being mm-hmm. able to work through it is going to allow me to grow. And so some of the things that are the biggest triggers for you can allow you to have the biggest growth in your life because it is, you're starting to bring awareness to like, why is that triggering me? Why is that waking up my identity system? And how can I you know, work, work through that. But I love that you make the expectation. Like it's, it's not going away and it's not, and we don't, and it's not, it shouldn't, right. That's like, it's part of being a human and part of of growing and experiencing life. Absolutely. That's so good. Awesome. So will you talk a little bit about where you currently are at? Like in terms of setting your fitness goals. Um, so I, one of the things that I heard you say earlier on is that, you know, you're going through this periods of, of maintenance. And I just want to kind of echo what you had said that for a lot of women, I find that maintenance is really hard because especially for people who are achievers, the achievement is kind of blah, right? The achievement is like staying the same. Like how, how exciting (laughs) is like staying the same. Um, and so I can, I find for a lot of people, especially who have been in that diet cycle where like with a diet, there's always a goal, there's always an achievement. And then there's these numbers that you're reflecting on that make you feel like you're moving towards the achievement. And there's that feedback and, and it can Mm -hmm. be very challenging to be in a period of maintenance um, because you don't have the same type of motivating feedback. Um, so I'm curious where you're at currently now, if you're still in the period of maintenance or what is that looking like for you in terms of your health and fitness goals? I'm trying to incorporate more of that intuitive, understanding of what I truly want in the moment Mm -hmm. of that part of maintenance, because Mm -hmm. I feel like 
uh, currently I am, I'm still tracking mm-hmm. at, at a cutting mode, but during that I'm trying to understand some of the thought process that keeps me in this rigid mode. Mm-hmm. I feel like the flexibility, like, like when I was cutting, it was so rigid that when I would break some rules right about cutting, then I felt like, Oh, I've blown it. You know, like, what's the point? Just, you know, take a break for a while until you're ready to ready to just do this perfectly. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to cut with flexibility. I don't know if that's a thing, but that's a thing for me. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It totally is a thing. I, I like to call it informed eating because I, yeah. there's a lot of things that I know I love about the intuitive eating movement. And I, I believe in a lot of things in the intuitive eating movement. And there's a lot of things I like about macro counting. And I believe in that, but yeah. I believe in the between there, there can be this beautiful mix of the two where you are informed, like you're not covering yeah. your eyes, right? You're, yeah. you're acknowledging the choices that you're making and yet you're not judging them as right or wrong or as good or bad. And you're informed mm-hmm. and you can, and you get to step into that piece of ownership and making choices. Um, and to me, that's like a, this like beautiful mix that can happen in between intuitive eating and macro counting, because I agree. I, and I did a pod, whole podcast episode on this about this, uh, a rant on how pe- a yeah. lot of people will turn macro counting into a diet. Like yeah. they turn it into something that is inflexible and is rigid and either you hit your macros or you don't. And if you don't, well then that sucks. You just need to try harder. And yeah. I think that is like the absolute wrong way to approach it. Um, mm-hmm. and I love that you are finding that balance for you and that flexibility that's going to work long-term because yeah, I mean, you've been around the block. Like this is, this is not, like you said, there is no finish line. This is yeah. going to be a life. This is, this is your lifestyle now. And yeah. so coming to, to figure out what that is going to look like, um, for you is, is awesome. So I love And that. a process. Like I'm not, yes. I don't feel like I'm there. Sure. Like, I don't feel like saying, I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> like we're not there. Nobody's there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so I think it's just a matter of figuring that out for me and not setting up more rules. Like yes. I feel like I was trying to set all these rules and then they were getting broken. All these shoulds, like it should look mm-hmm. this way, should look this way. And I'm like, why don't you just take it day by day? Like, what do you want to do today? What do you want today to look like? And how can you, you make that happen? Yeah. And, and how, how can you feel good at the end of the day with that? Like you always said that, like, what, what do you want to feel like at the end of the day? I think yeah. is how you put it. Mm-hmm. And you know, that that's a key question because if you don't ask yourself, what do you want to look like at the end of the day? You can say, you know, what do you want to do today? And yeah, that would be really wonderful if I did that, but I don't, I don't know that I will. And I'm going to feel really crappy at the end of the day. Cause yeah. I'm not going to be able to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so awesome. Um, so let's pretend you're going back 10 years and you're going to speak to, you know, 10 years ago, Nikki, what would you tell her that you've learned in the last 10 years? Um, don't look at all those diet rules. (laughs) (laughs) I, I really think like I've learned that it it doesn't matter. Like every diet out there has rules and you know, like just do what's best for you. There's not one diet out there that's going to have the best rules for me that I'll stick with because every day is going to be different for me in what, what I encounter, what my experiences are and, and what, what I have access to. And so I just wish I just didn't ever look at all those rules, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like infiltrate my brain with all of these rules that I'm trying to break down now and get rid of. Yes.
Because I do believe that most people think that the fix or they think the solution is just to find the diet, like the right diet for them out there. And so they go through the cycle of just trying diets. And, and if you think about it, like a diet was created by somebody else who doesn't know you, who doesn't know your goals, who doesn't know your lifestyle, who doesn't know what food you like to eat. And how do we expect that to be successful for you? It's, it's right. not. Long-term, it's not yeah. going to be successful. And so when you exactly. can come to this place of power, like Nikki is talking about, of learning, understanding the science, right? Understanding the background, yeah. you have to have that piece um, and understanding how it works. But then you're put in this place of power to be able to create the plan that not only fits your lifestyle, but yeah. also gets you results. And I feel like a lot of times we feel like it's either one or the other. Either I can create a lifestyle I love or mm-hmm. I can get results. And I can't really yeah. do both of those simultaneously. And, and what I'm going to offer is that you can. They, like yeah. you can they, those two things can simultaneously exist. You can get the results you want and create a lifestyle that fits, that you love, that you enjoy, and that is, doesn't feel miserable to you day to day. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's one of the things I, I did. I love, um, you had Becca Jackson on yeah. of if the, if the cookie fits. And one yeah. of the things I really pulled from her is that she would, she would enter two cookies at the beginning of the day into her thing. Like I'm going to probably have a snack. Let's just put it in just there. Put right. It in there. <laughs> like, let's, let's just, do just plan yeah. for it. Yes. So that's what I just started doing. Like I have, and I'm like, I have to stock my freezer full of the ice cream that I want to eat. And I put it in there. If I choose not to have that and I have a different snack, great. I get to make that choice. But instead of like filling my day with hitting my macros perfectly, and then I am depriving myself Mm -hmm. by the end of, you know, two or three weeks, I'm like, well, I hit my macros perfectly, but now I'm like starving for a treat because I didn't even let myself. And that's not even going to how I'm going to live the rest of my life. Why am I setting up my macros? not the way I'm going to live. Like I've started like, just put in there what you want to eat. Like, don't try and change the things around your, the foods that your family are eating, like put it in there, make it work because that's how you want to live. So good. Oh, so much good stuff in here today, Nikki. I am so grateful that you're coming on and sharing your wealth of knowledge and experience and personal experience. I think that's what makes this so, um, so beautiful is that not only are you coming at this from, you know, maybe a clinical perspective of teaching some tools that listeners can use, but you're willing to share your own personal experience of how you applied it in your life. And that just makes it, um, that much more applicable to, um, the people who are listening. So last question, if people are wanting to connect more with you, they're like, this is blowing my mind. I want (laughs) to learn more from Nikki. Where can they find you? Yes. So on social media, I am MBB Nikki for mind body bridging. So just MBB NIKI. And then my website is same thing, MBBNikki.com. And I have courses that you can take just to learn the basics of mind body bridging. I have, um, uh, individual sessions that you can take with me. And then also I just released an MBB parenting course where I teach you a mind body bridging skill that coordinates with a parenting skill because changing parenting or doing any goals like that is super difficult mentally. And so I feel like you get the support with changing parenting skills along with the the mental support that goes with that as well. So awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Nikki. Yes. Thank you. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Nikki as much as I did. Again, the resources she talked about, we'll link them up in the show notes. That wraps up this episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm Amber. Now go out and be strong because remember my friend, you can do anything. Hold up sister friend. Do you love Biceps After Babies Radio? If so, the best way to say thank you is to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on iTunes. I know every podcaster wants you to leave a review, but it's because those reviews help the podcast to reach more people. 
And I do truly want to know what you think. If this particular episode resonated with you, will you also please share it? Either send the link to someone who would find it valuable or take a screenshot and post it to your social media and tell your friends and family why they should listen. Make sure you tag me at biceps.after.babies so I can hear your feedback and give you a little love. And you know, if you aren't already following me on Instagram or Facebook, that's the perfect time to hit that follow button. Thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio.